Hi, and welcome back to another episode of... Is this thing on? <laughs> Ow, that actually hurt my knuckles. Don't hit the mic so hard. It makes it not want to come on. <laughs> you gotta wake it up gently. Gently? You can't, can't just beat it over the head. Sometimes you have to beat things over the head. Mmm. Kind of like this election. Bruh. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get beaten over the head with the election stuff. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about with, mm. with the election stuff? Well, I think I already said it to you, but I normally don't make it a habit to get political on here. But... I'm going to get banned. No, I'm not going to get banned. Get banned from Spotify? Get banned from... Nah, I'm not going to get banned. I'm not, you know, pers- I'm not making anyone believe what I want to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think, how do you think this election is going to impact us a lot? And I don't know. It's basically going to be another, what, two years of Biden's. Oh, so because these are just midterms, right? Yeah, yeah. These, these are just midterms. This is just determining the House and the Senate. Um, the... The Congress in general. Um, basically, the House and the Senate act as kind of the law creation and enactment side of the federal government. And they're typically the ones that are supposed to be uh, bringing forth new laws and approving them and passing them. Mm-hmm. The president technically doesn't make any laws, and the Supreme Court technically doesn't make any laws. Um, but he can veto. The president can veto, and he can also influence uh, people in the uh, Senate and House of Representatives to favor one thing over another. It's like, uh, I'll, you, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. So basically, with the midterms look like, looking like they're going towards Democrats means that it's going to make it a lot easier for Biden to probably get things that he wants passed mm. through. Um, of course, for some very important things, you need a supermajority, which is, I think, 60% of the members in order to pass certain things. I think you also have to have a supermajority to overturn a veto. But um, for a lot of stuff, for a lot of laws, you only need um, a bare 51%. And if they have that, then they can just do pretty much whatever they want. Um, I think... So Joe Manchin, um, for a while, he's been a little bit more hard-nosed on the Democrat side, trying to get things that he wants through and been saying no to a lot of stuff. So depending on how many people that they have, um, people like him could still be obstructors of getting things done, um, which could be good and which also could be bad. Because a lot of the times when there's Democrat-controlled House and Senate, or Democrat-controlled... Um, executive branch. Typically, the Republicans take the House and the Senate mm. during the midterms of that next presidency. Yeah. That's just been tradition for a long time because as soon as you have a president in there um, actually doing the job, most people start to not like them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the midterms usually result in the other party uh, flipping the, the House and the Senate. This situation, it doesn't look like it's going to happen that way, which is unique. Um, it was also kind of odd because there were a lot of candidates on both sides, really, that were just really bad. It was, like, not good at all yeah. in terms of 
putting things forward like the uh, what was it Pennsylvania Oz and Fetterman. Um, oh, I don't know the candidates that were running. That's oh, how yeah. Politically illiterate I am. Yeah, is I think another one was Hobbs and Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember if that was in Arizona or not, but there have been a lot of people, at least with Fetterman and Oz. Oz is just... Odd. Yeah. <laughs> Mehmet Oz was, uh, you know, like Dr. Oz. Yeah. Yeah, like the Oprah and Dr. Oz. Oh, he and, was running. Yeah, he was running for governor of Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, and he's a TV personality. He's He is technically a doctor and technically a surgeon. He has performed medical procedures before, but he mostly used his fame to sell things and not necessarily great things. And so he's kind of developed the the reputation of being a snake oil salesman kind of thing, like buy this thing and it'll help you. Um, but then Fetterman, the other guy on the, the Democrat side, had a stroke um, about five months before he actually started campaigning and still hasn't fully recovered. Um, he's going through a lot of stress and doing all kinds of things that he probably, a stroke victim should not be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still was going, he had a debate with Oz not too long ago and he was stumbling over his words. He, he can't, he literally can't understand people when they talk to him. Mm. So he has to have things written out for him. And so it's like this horrible situation of this, this man that is known as being a charlatan and like a scammer or this person who's literally brain damaged. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. why would you want to pick either one of these people? Um, but yeah, that's, that's the kind of things that we've been having offered up to us over the midterms. And for Texas, is it was Beto and Abbott again? Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Abbott's, uh, gotten a third term, um, whereas, uh, Beto is, I think, lost a third time. Because <laughs> he's, he's been trying for a while now to, to get in to some sort of higher level of government. Yeah. Uh... What was I going to say? I think I read, I was reading from, it was, I don't know if it was CNN or the Washington Post or something like that. Or it might have been TikTok. TikTok has been educating me a lot these days. I don't know why. (laughs) Careful Uh, with that. (laughs) TikTok is not a great source. No, it's not. Uh, But it was the reason I think there was such a big pull on the Democratic side is because most people that voted were... Gen Zers. Yeah, there were, there were a lot more new young people voting this time around than, yeah, than in the actual before. presidency. Yeah, And I think this is a hot take that just came to me. Hmm. If they offered incentives to vote, do you think more people would do it? Like <sighs> money or like rewards? Or- I don't want to see the path that is... Uh, no, obviously. The, the goal of that path being, well, we'll just pay you to go vote for us is highly unethical <laughs> because then you could literally just buy votes. I mean, the the whole political corruption thing is people buying votes and like mm-hmm. paying favors and getting things to people that would literally be buying votes. And that's, that's not a, not a good idea. I mean, I don't know in terms of voting policies, but I know once we switch to, I think, what's called the Australian, Australian ballot system, which is um, non-public voting. Mm-hmm. You just go in there and your, your vote is your secret unless you want to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, once we switch to that, the average voter participation rate dropped significantly. 
because it turned out people thought that more people would vote because they wouldn't be shamed or feel like they were being pressured to vote in one way or the other. But in actuality, less people voted because there was no pressure at all. And they just said, ah, who cares? I'm not going to vote. <laughs> so I don't know what a good way to fix that is. I like being able to not have to worry about being on some sort of registry of like, this is the person that you voted for at this time. Therefore, we're going to, I don't know, do something. I don't know. Yeah. Isn't how isn't that kind of though how campaigns end up like getting their most of their voters? I feel like so are the records like voting records public? To an extent, yes. Um, you can be registered Democrat, registered Republican, registered Independent, registered Green Party, so, and people will know mm-hmm. that affiliation that you have. I think in some states it's based upon what you voted on previously. Mm-hmm. Like if you voted for a majority Republicans, you became listed as a Republican. Mm-hmm. I think in Texas you just have to declare yourself one way or the other. And it's your choice. Mm. I think. I'm not com- not completely sure. So like let's say one year you voted Republican, but the next year you voted Democrat. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think that some of those campaign people would be like, ooh, well, she voted Democrat this year, so let's try it. Influence this person into. I mean, it's possible if they have records of who has been voting in that party recently, then yeah, that would probably. I mean, how do you think they get like the text message stuff? Like, vote for this person. It's because your, your number is on a list somewhere that they can probably get to. I've gotten a few of those messages, and I'm like, how? Because I'd never registered to vote for yeah. anything. Yeah. So it's just like a. Like a public thing where they just grab anyone's mm-hmm. number. Yeah. And also it's just kind of a shotgun effect trying to scatter as many contact points as possible to just get people out there. Um, but yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, the most important part about if you want to register and uh, identify with a particular party is the ability to vote in their primaries which is before they get to R versus D, it's R versus R versus R, or D versus D versus D, and you get these these people that you want to put forward as the primary candidate. And unless you're, I think in Texas at least, unless you're registered as that Republican or as a Democrat, you can't actually vote in their primaries. Mm-hmm. So a Demo- registered Democrat can't vote in the Republican primaries and vice versa. So... Um, you can't be a Republican and then sneak into a Democrat voting area and pick the worst candidate possible so you can win later. They, they keep Democrats to Democrats and Republicans to Republicans. Mm. And then later, you can vote for either one um, as, like, the governor or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, what are they going to say? <laughs> I plead the fifth. You plead the fifth? I plead the fifth. I, okay. I think... Who was it that told me that? Oh, it might have been you that you went to vote, mm-hmm. and then that they had independent. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Um. The most recent midterm elections, um, for a lot of the big ones, it was either unopposed or Republican and Democrat. Mm-hmm. But there were several of the the smaller races that had three: it was Republican, Democrat, and independent. Yeah. Why do you think? So. At least from what I'm understanding from what you've explained and just things I've heard before. Mm -hmm. In Texas, they make you identify as either Democrat or Republican. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you were to just vote independent, that would just go to what? 
it would go to the independent running person, the person who's there. Because with, um, it depends on the state that you're in, but the rules in certain places are if you get a number of, um, you have to be represented by a party. So technically, who you're voting for in a primary isn't necessarily guaranteed the person that they're going to be putting forward. It just tells the party, this is the person that a lot of people like. So, theoretically, you could have a, up until like a presidential race, like the Republicans have their debates and stuff like that, and the Democrats have their debates. You could technically all vote for uh, Senator Ron Stevenson or something like that. And Senator Ron Stevenson gets like 60% of the vote. But the party itself can decide Jimmy Jimmy Doolop gets the <laughs> gets the nomination because they want him. Yeah, the primary stuff is mainly just telling the party who you want, and then the party decides who they want to run for, who they want to run with. And that's kind of the problem with a two-party system is that at the end of the day, they will try to go for the person that they think will win, but that may not be the most popular candidate. Hmm. So in other states, like, you don't have to be Democrat. There are some states that have completely open uh, primaries that mm. just you can go in and vote either way. Mm. Yeah. But I just always think, like, I've always been told by people, oh, at least here in Texas, if you vote independent, it's good to it's a basically, like, you're throwing away your vote. Yeah, I mean, if I vote independent, it's usually a protest vote because I'm saying I don't like either one of these candidates. Yeah. Um, that's why they also have, because... On the midterms, the I think the governor a decision you had the option to write in somebody's name. The other ones they didn't have that little fill in the fill in the blank section, but you could just make a protest vote and say I don't like either one of these people and I want Mickey Mouse. I mean that's what a lot of people a lot of people do whenever you hear about like oh 0.5 percent of the votes of the U.S. Uh, elections uh, have been for Mickey Mouse or Kanye West or something like that. It's mostly people just memeing it up and protest voting. Memeing it up. Yeah. I don't know. Why isn't there any candidates that are at least... Decent human beings? <laughs> yes. Decent human human beings have any sort of decent morals and values and just... Like, why isn't there more bipartisanism, you know? Like, true bipartisanism. Partly because bipartisanship doesn't win you the vote. It, you need to have a strong base in order to get the primary vote. And that gets you to be the Democrat candidate for presidency or the Democrat candidate for governor governorship. And then after that, you have to start pulling more people to actually vote for you from everyone. So up until that point, you're doing all the, the dirty backstabbing tricks as possible <laughs> in order to get the vote to be the, be the candidate. And people don't necessarily forget that. So yeah. you're you're still got all that dirt on you. And so it kind of makes it hard to stop. It's very easy to convince people to not vote for the other candidate because you're not as bad as them. Mm. And it's very hard to convince people that you're actually a good candidate. It's much much easier to convince people of a lesser of two evils approach than it is to actually be a convincing good candidate. Mm. What was I going to say? Going back to the like the decent human being... Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. So, oh, we're like 15-something, almost 15, 16 minutes in. Yeah. It's good. Um, do you think 
this is something I think I'll bring up because it kind of bothered me this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept urging us at work to vote. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should bring in, or it's good to let politics kind of intertwine with our work or like religious and church life mm-hmm. or and and or slash anything else or do you think we need to keep those things separate because i've seen trends and patterns where people that are like pastors mm-hmm. will go and tell their congregation like oh jesus you know mm-hmm. like they'll use jesus as a like marker for them to Oh, Jesus go, wants go. Jesus wants to help the poor. Go vote Democrat. Or Jesus wants to uh, save kids from abortions. Go vote Republican. Kind exactly of thing. Yeah. stuff like that. Like yeah. fear mongering people into mm. voting for something, but using like religion or something else to get people to go that way. Yeah. Like what? Do you, what is your take on that? Do you think we should keep it separate? Do you think no one needs to know what we voted for? Like, because at least from my perspective. I think the moment you let people know what you voted for, it can kind of, not completely and not always, but it can kind of change people's perception of you. Yeah. And I think, like, let's say, for example, I, you voted Republican because you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have to, <gasps> Oh, no. Oh, no. And I voted Democrat, but we, like, there's an issue that we're really, really torn on, and then I all of a sudden decided to say oh, well, I'm not going to talk to you because you vote this and that. Mm-hmm. like, And then for some reason I'm not able to get over it. But this is in a hypothetical world because yeah. I don't. I really don't care. I will talk to anyone no matter what their political affiliation is. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we should let things like that divide us like, and let like it be indoctrinated again in, in our work life, in our respect? religious spiritual church Mm -hmm. life all that stuff what's your take i think we've entered a point at least in american culture where people don't like to admit it but the personal has become political or vice versa the political has become personal and that a large feeling of angst and listlessness like lacking direction has caused people to find a new religion of politics. Um, uh, uh, I mean, the political system is the secular religion because secularism is concerned with the here and now. Yeah. It doesn't care about the future. It doesn't care about the past. It wants to fix problems here and now. And if you're not fixing them now, then you're not doing your job. And so that's what political action is for. That's what activism is for. It's to solve the world's problems now. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that now is not relying upon God, not relying upon traditional processes. Yeah. It's fixing the problem now by force or fixing the problem now by direct democracy and the will of the people and things like that. (laughs) And that has unfortunately seeped into everything. Um, I think when I was younger, maybe it was just because I was young and didn't care or didn't, wasn't really aware of it. Yeah. We didn't have as much of that. Yeah. In terms of just like overt political affiliation in church or in schools or in things like that but it's always been there I mean, it's always been there in i mean it's always bit. gonna be like it's really hard to not mix all those things up yeah however i think there's a way to be respectful about it and oh, yeah. not be so uh what's the word i don't know if chauvinistic would be the correct chauvinism is um men demeaning women okay now 
well, some men can be chauvinistic about their political. Anyways, no, I'm gonna like like there's I think there's a way to not be so overt mm-hmm. about your political stances and still remain and keep a friendly and respectful attitude towards people that may have voted differently from yeah. you. And just like because I'll admit this, whatever. You know, I didn't like the fact that this week, I think it was on last Monday, so a week almost now. Don't, don't, don't say anything that might get you in trouble at work. Well, I just didn't like that they were, like, pushing okay. for us to go vote. Okay. Because I'm like, okay, I understand that it's education and politics, you know, yeah. intermingle a lot. Yeah. But, like, and and at least the school the school system that I work for, they're all about inclusivity and openness and all yeah. that stuff, which is, I guess, it has its pros and its cons. Sounds like anything that'll get you in trouble at work. That's, <laughs> a, that's all I'm saying. Okay. I just didn't like the fact they were pushing that. Yeah. I, I think they should have kept that separate. Like, And it's not like we're all going around voicing who or what we voted for. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was annoying because I'm like, okay, we're here to like focus on education. Yeah. And I know that a lot of educational decisions are largely nowadays based on political agendas. Because yeah, that's where the money comes from. And furthering political agendas. But like telling your teachers to go vote mm-hmm. at the ballots and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm, not in the mm-hmm. best taste. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty much as political as they could get without taking sides. It's just telling people, go vote. They're not telling you to vote for this person or to vote for that person. Because... At least on my end, like, obviously I can't vote because I'm not American, but, like, even if, I don't know if I did have the, it would be really hard for me to, like, make a decision about voting and then, like, having it be pushed out, like, with anything, having it being pushed down your throat is what is just annoying It me. makes it, uh, like, what do you call it? Distasteful. Distasteful because yeah. then that's all you ever fixate and talk about at either work or wherever you're at. Hmm. And it's just, it leads for propaganda and division on mm-hmm. both sides. So mm-hmm. that's what I just don't like. It's like, there's so many, um, um, there's fear mongering on both sides. There's people trying to be. Trying to incentivize? Incentivize? Incentivize. On both sides. Like, there's just no, like you said, there's no decency on either side mm-hmm. anymore. It's just like, who's right? Who's right? I'm right. I'm right. You're wrong. You're wrong. And there's no, I guess, lesser of two evils at this point. Yeah. It's just like, dumb and dumber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... To, to a certain extent, the political civility in the U.S. hasn't really changed that much mm-hmm. over time. I think it's just because of telecommunication and the internet and everything like that. It's become faster. Yeah. It's not necessarily... We haven't become worse people overall. We've always been crappy people. <laughs> yeah. We've always been sinners. We've always been dealing with these issues since the beginning of the country and since the beginning of the time in general, um, at least the fall. But now it's so much faster and it's easier to edit things down and it's easier to convince people because you can just show a clip of something and then if you see the person say that thing, then you think, 
that's that's exactly what they meant. Yeah. And therefore, in this context, they're a horrible person. But if you extended the video out a little bit, they would contradict themselves and say, oh, well, this is an example of something that somebody would say, rather than them actually meaning it. And that's what the media and people and organizations often do, is they often twist a narrative. Yeah. They twist everything that you're saying. Like, on one end, someone could be saying, like, oh, I'm... Uh, let's see, what's a... Oh, like, the whole, like, uh, let's ban guns thing, right? They could mm-hmm. be saying, like, um, oh, you know, like, we're going to ban guns. And they, like, completely left out everything else. Like, like oh, why are we banning guns? Or why are they, you know, all this? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, this is, these are just examples I'm using. Yeah. But, um, I mean, everything is always going to be twisted. I yeah. think there's just no fair way to do things anymore. It drives viewership. It gets people to pay attention. It gets people riled up and makes whoever's producing the contents more popular or make more money. I still think unpopular opinion and feel free to like send your hate my way if you want to. (laughs) Don't give a crap. I think one of the most stupid things we could have done in this country and okay, Gen Z is probably going to hate me for saying this, but that's fine. I think... What still baffles me is, like, and I know that this is probably laws that were made, like, 40, yeah. 50 years ago. So, it's, like, not... Or even more than that. Or even more than that. But why is it that you have to be 21 to buy an alcohol beverage, mm-hmm. but you you can you can only... You only have to be 18 to vote. Mm-hmm. And I think, the, I think it could be due to the fact that you could get drafted. Yeah. Also, like, but I think it should have just been... It should have been the other way around. Or, like, it should have, like, been raised. Mm-hmm. No. I think if it were up to me, like, I would have raised the voting age to, like, 21 or up. 50. <laughs> well, because, like, in what world? And I'm not saying, don't think I'm trying to talk ill of the younger generations, even younger than I am. Kids these days. But I'm going to go yell at some clouds. Why? Uh, why would we think that eighteen-year-olds are competent enough to make a decision, a decision, decision, decision like that? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like most of them struggle with figuring out what they're gonna do for the rest of their lives, like going to college and make, getting a major. What makes us think that they're gonna know who to vote for and and have like that information? To make that decision. Because most people, when they go out and vote, most people are not informed. They just know that there's this and this. They don't actually read up on the people's policies or any of that. Mm -hmm. And, like, it breeds ignorance. It breeds, like, you know, like, the twistedness on both sides. Because we're both not informed. So what makes us think that little, like, literally children can go out and vote and make those decisions when cognitively they're not even there yet i think the times when voting was established as 18 um you were correct in the first assumption of having to do with the draft Mm -hmm. um if you're old enough to go die in combat then you're old enough to pick who you want to be as your representative yeah um but also because at that time, people were expected to be more mature faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And shorter lifespans in general. Now that we have longer lifespans due to various medical technology as well as just 
living not as deadly lives, <laughs> safer lives in general. Um, that combined with just the lessened expectation that young people have to grow up because we're kind of incentivizing more and more just, what would you consider it? But it breeds overstimulation. And that's why it makes it hard for us to, like, pick one thing that we want to do. Right, focusing on things. And be good at it. Yeah. You know, I struggle with that. Like, I I still don't, like, I I keep saying that I want to be a psychologist. But there's so many things that I like and that I feel mm-hmm. like I'm good at that I'm like, I can't seem to narrow it down. Yeah. And so, like, I think having, letting an 18-year-old make those decisions is, I don't know, it's kind of reckless. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you propose that the voting age be raised to 21 then? Yeah. So if they raised... Why specifically 21 then? Well, I mean, if they're letting them get alcohol at 21 mm-hmm. like because but you're allowed to join the military at 18 yeah should eh, I still yeah. think they're kids you should yeah. let kids be kids but the, the issue with the 18 year olds in military is that <laughs> that's the most formative years in terms of no I know like physicality phys- physicality yeah. that's like their best years mm-hmm. I think I just from a cognitive standpoint I don't think they they should be making those decisions. What is it? Men men don't fully develop the brain until twenty five, and women 25 like twenty one, twenty two, something like 25. that. Twenty five. For both, for both, both is mostly twenty five. Okay. But I just think that if we gave, if young people actually went out and did more research and were informed, and they maybe hear me out on this, if there was actual classes in like high school and, and middle school about like voting civics civics <laughs> which most a lot of people don't have that most civics classes are just here is how the government works here are the branches what do the branches do what are they responsible for and that's about it <laughs> and it doesn't go into the extent but if we did have like an in-depth voting class mm-hmm. like and and like this is what these people that are running are proposing. Here's how to spot a logical fallacy. <laughs> if we had something like that, like starting, you know, by the time they're like 18, I think they could make a well-informed decision because yeah. they would have all that knowledge available to them mm-hmm. and they would think thoroughly more. And also I think, like, it's a complex decision. It's not like, I mean, yes, at the end of the day, it's like, Yes, check this. No, check that. Right, but it this is voting is like it's a problem solving issue. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're if they don't know how to problem solve, and a lot of adults to this day don't know how to problem solve, what makes you think they're gonna know what candidate to choose yeah. for voting? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's. It's just been the way that it's been done for a while now. Um, hmm. Do you think we're coddling our kids in the society that everything is overly PC, overly, like... Yes and no. Um, I've definitely seen a tendency towards, at least on the face of it, in terms of, like, TikTok and YouTube and things like that, of a mushifying of any kind of hard edges that would be required to mature. But then there's also people that I know that, I mean, it's just anecdotal, but 
people that I know that are younger than me that are far more, far more wise mm. than the age would suggest. And I think it's just going to be what every generation is like is the, the older generation sees the younger generation as being this horrible, uh, rebellious group, but not recognizing that <laughs> what they're seeing is just the loudest members of that group. Yeah. And then the quieter ones are usually a little bit more reasonable. But yeah, I mean, this recent midterm has like record turnout for young people in terms of voting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mostly because of internet influence yeah. and people just getting sound bites and snippets and saying, oh, this person said this horrible thing, therefore I'm not going to vote for them. Yeah. Or this person said this thing and I'm going to vote for them. When in reality, this one cut says, uh, therefore, uh, fracking in the Antarctic. And the other says, like, no, I'm against it. I want to preserve the ice areas of the Antarctic. I was like, eh, I don't know if you can actually detrail oil in the Antarctic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just as an example. But you can have a debate where somebody says, I'm for um, uh, peace in the Middle East. And the other soundbite says, I'm for taking over Iran. <laughs> Just, yeah. And then those two separate soundbites can be distributed to different people and Different people can believe completely different things about that same, same candidate. Yeah. So it's always been about twisting the narrative. Yeah. And making everything look like... It's about shaping things for a palatable audience. It's like making things more consumable. Consumable. Yeah. And, we'll, and with that, we're going to take a break. Okay. And we'll be right okay. after the break. We're back. We're back in action. So you so. had asked me a question mm-hmm. during the break, mm-hmm. and it's it was who or what would your ideal candidate look like for? I don't know. The easy one is usually president because that's like one person yeah. spot, and it's like senators and representatives have like. I think 50 or like 100 something. Well, because they have the delegates and the superdelegates and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so what would your ideal presidential candidate look like? Mm. Okay. So one of the things I am a firm believer of um, is I do like to vote with my conscience. Okay. Which is good. You don't want to vote but yeah. just yeah. for fun or just voting for... <laughs> Um, and I would just like to preface this. Don't think that I'm making this episode to persuade anyone to lean mm-hmm. or vote in a certain manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make it clear that I think, oh, actually a few years ago I came out saying that I was a social libertarian. And, um, so I still stand on that. I am a liberta- uh, libertarian. Um, it depends on the issues, though. It's because, like, there's a lot of issues that I get passionate about. And so, like, one of them being, obviously, like, the main one that hits close to home is immigration. Mm -hmm. So, a candidate that... Because, to me, like, passing all these bills about, like, what to do at the border. I understand it's a complex situation. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm grateful to the people that are Border Patrol people and that are out there and they're actually getting the bad guys. But also, like, 
the number one thing I hear going on, at least in, in the immigration sense, and this don't think I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm making it more so for the listeners. Just, just say what you mean. Okay. So my <laughs> thing is, podcast. my qualms with this whole, like, finding a good candidate is, like, find a good candidate that's going to obviously vote for good morals and values and have a good conscience. And and one of the pressing issues that has always been in my heart is the whole immigration thing. And since we literally live, like, right next to the border, the thing that puzzles me is that we have all these candidates that keep saying, oh, well, family first and blah, 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 blah. And I understand, like, yes, there's people here that have already been here that have a life established here. And, yes, take care of the people that live here. Mm-hmm. But if we're governing on principles that are, like, for example, biblical principles, right? And, like, one of the things that we're looking at here is immigration. is like, why wouldn't you want to help women and children that are running away from exploitation and drugs and sexual assault and, like, just all these things? Like, there's passages in the Bible, and I can't quote them verbatim, but I've read them, that, like, say to be open to the, you the know... Sojourner. Sojourner. Mm-hmm. That's the, that. That's what I was going to use, mm-hmm. the phrase that I was going to use, but I don't know if it was correct or not. But I think we are bigots in that sense because we're willing to help the people that are here. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, let's protect our people and keep our people safe. And it's like, yeah, but if you're if you're any if you're a decent human being with any sort of like like good head on your shoulders and and good heart like you would want to also help other people too Mm. i understand that it's hard to help everybody because there is going to be people that present themselves in dire situations and then they end up taking advantage of the of of people helping them out and i understand that like i understand completely why they would want to shut down the borders because of that but like at least the images that i've seen the videos i've seen like it's really heartbreaking to see like immigrants suffering like that Mm -hmm. especially because i was very fortunate to come into this country and not have any of that happen to me like but i see other people that are immigrants and that that's what they're having to go through and like because i could i mean i could have very much been in those circumstances as well as them but it just kind of breaks my heart because i'm like if i'm a christian and like at least the leaders that are in my state are claiming to be christians Mm -hmm. and following christian principles and following what basically jesus would want us to do with these then why are they kicking innocent women and children out it's not their fault you know like it's not their fault they got raped or they got kicked out of their country because there's so much drugs and crimes like that's not their fault like but i understand like there's a lot going on and it's hard to accommodate to everybody but i've noticed it more so with like Maybe, maybe, I don't know if it's 
like because most of these people that are coming are from like south and central america mm-hmm. but i noticed that when there's immigrants coming from like europe or like like ukraine or whatever i'm just going to use them as an example because i think i've i've seen i've seen a few down here mm-hmm. we're more inclined to help them that are from like eastern europe Mm -hmm. and everything rather than the ones that are closer to us like south america central america mexico and all that Mm -hmm. and why is that they're both immigrants they're both not from here so why is it that we're preferring a at least from what i've seen and i I again i could be wrong in my you know depiction of this Mm -hmm. but I've noticed that that's a trend. Like, oh, we're so, like, up in arms about, no, don't let the Venezuelans, the Mexican, the Hondurians come over here because they're bringing their drugs and their crime and blah, blah, blah. But, oh, if it's a Ukrainian or a Russian or someone from some part of Europe, we're like, oh, yeah, come over. We need diversity. We need this. So, like, I've just noticed that. And I'm like, they're both immigrants. So what's what's the issue? And in I in an in an ideal world, right? You know, technically Mexico is in the Americas. Mm-hmm. That strip is still part of the American continent. Mm-hmm. So in my ideal world, Mexicans would also be considered American citizens because they're on the literal continent mm-hmm. of still like North America. So that's like another reason why I think this whole immigration BS is like just like ooh they 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 weren't born here so this this strip of paper says that they can't be citizens but yet they'll immigrate with their families, mm. learn a new language and have to wait 20 to 30 years to actually get representation but they're still getting taxed heavily and I just don't think that's fair. Mm. But then people will go on and say, well, my family did this legally. They went back and they they waited for 20 years and then they came back until they did that. Maybe your family had the resources to do so. Maybe your family had connections already here. And that's why it made it back for them to go. It made it easier for them to go back to their home country, wait a little bit, and then come back and, you know... And people don't ever think about that. Like, I've, the common phrase I've heard is like, well, isn't it as easy as applying for a driver's license? Isn't it as easy as doing this? And it's like, no. Like, there's a lot of, like, processes. But basically, if I had to... It, going back to the candidate, candidate yeah. thing, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not for Democrat or Republican, but I think Ronald Reagan did a really good job of, mm-hmm. like, letting, like, people that were not american citizens become american citizens i think the way he did it was a really good um way of doing it in terms of abortion and everything else like abortion's wrong like we shouldn't have that um and i think if you're gonna say you are against abortion actually mean it actually be pro-life and not just pro-birth. Okay. Because there's people that are like, yeah, protect the baby. But then after the baby's born, it's like, oh, we don't care. Like, it's not our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so what if that person 
gives birth but the mom is like a drug addict or something and you know like then that baby ends up getting put into adoption and this whole cycle starts and don't think I'm saying that abortion is right in this case because it's not but I just think there's so many issues and it just depends on how that candidate would tackle those issues Mm. like most issues I don't I don't have a problem with like what's a pressing issue I don't know the two that come to mind are immigration and abortion. Yeah. Those are the two biggest ones. The if war they, in Ukraine. There's another one. The war. Okay. So do I think that it's right that the U.S. is helping the Ukrainians with, like, yeah. I think if you're a country with resources and you claim to be the best country in the world hmm. and you then, yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea to go help those people I mean we're already in like trillions of debt mm. what's more debt gonna do to you know um, I think if 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 their own governments can't do anything for them then why is it so bad to let our government intervene over there mm-hmm. you know what I mean so just in an ideal world I guess I would select a candidate that could easily resolve the whole immigration crisis mm-hmm. and let people that have already been here as immigrants paying taxes and going to school here and working legally and lawfully give them a pathway to citizenship that's like that doesn't take five years or doesn't take two years or doesn't take it should be like an instant thing. It's not that hard to sign a bill that do you know, says Do you know why it takes so long? Why does it take so long? Because there's so many people doing it. There's a lot of people doing it, but there's people that have waited 30 years. Exactly. Bureaucracy takes a long time. But if they have all these things, like, that they've been signing... Because I remember when I was going to college, they were like, if you want, like, any sort of grants or scholarships, you need to get this notarized by... You have to sign an affidavit and get this notarized by a notary claiming that you've lived here for this many years and you went to school here for this many years. And that's annoying because, like, like there's proof. I have my high school diplomas and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just annoying that, like, it's, it is literally a strip of paper that says, ooh, you're, now you have rights. Now mm-hmm. you're... That's literally all it is. Yeah. So... I know that there's a lot of people doing it, but, like, it, there there has to be an easier way to just one and done get it out of the way instead of having people sign on for visas and mm. all that stuff that you have to pay every two years, and it's annoying, too. Yeah. If we could negotiate some sort of trade deal with Central and South America to where we could have... I don't know. They did that with the with Cuba. The Cubans were able to get their citizenship within like six months. What I mean is something similar to what the European Union had for a little while is that they would have um, transferable citizenships. So why don't we do that? That's, I know. I know. Um, that's annoying. I'm afraid that the the reason why we haven't done that is because we are completely expecting the vast majority of those countries' citizenry to just escape and come here. And there's literally no way we can help that many people. And the, the countries collapse because all that's left is the cartels and nobody to work. Well, because <laughs> maybe 
if those countries' governments actually stepped up and actually helped them. In an ideal world, that'd be very nice. (laughs) And that's the thing. That's the reason why all these people end up fleeing over here is because their governments are refusing to do anything. Mm. And at least here, our government sucks, but, like, we're able to stand up for our government and actually do something about Mm. it. You know, like, we're able to voice it out. Most of those countries are socialist, and they don't really get much rights either. So, Or they have democracies that are not necessarily all on the up and up. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of buying votes and things like that. Yeah. It's like, how did you reelect this guy? He's obviously corrupt. Oh, it's because he's corrupt. <laughs> and all they see is corruption. They think that's normal, and so they end up voting for it all yeah. over again. That's what happened with Castro. That's what happened with Mussolini. That's what happened with Stalin and Hitler and mm-hmm. all did those. You, did you know that Mussolini had a potato penis? I did not know that. <laughs> it's because he's a dictator. <laughs> he's a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> and that is your joke for the day. Your punny joke for the you day. You turned red. <laughs> I caught you off guard. <laughs> but yeah, in an ideal world, if there was a way to do that, and then just there was a way to solve, I don't know, like taxes also too. Like <laughs> yeah, let's solve taxes. <laughs> like why is it that thirty to forty percent of our check has to be deducted? Like yeah. I would like to see. I'm all with you there, sister. An accurate <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> Of how much of that money is going into Medicare and Social Security mm. and military spending and infrastructure and, you know, like, the no. whole thing. No. Because I feel like the, they say that they do that, but I'm like, where? Uh-huh. Where? I would like to see that. You know? Like. Yeah. Do an audit of the government. Have like Why not? They audit us all the time. Have, the, have them give the receipts instead for a change. Yeah. 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 We need to. Yeah. You just need to hire a bunch of lawyers and accountants and go go to the White House and say, show us the receipts. We need the gas receipts right now. <laughs> what do you mean you don't get the receipts from the gas station? You can't prove it? <laughs> okay. What would your ideal? Oh, my ideal candidate. I didn't really say... Did I really give an answer? You, Your answer was somebody who could solve both immigration and also abortion and also taxes. <laughs> well, I don't know what other pressing... To make my answer short, mm. someone that's not a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Someone or a dictator. Dictator. Or dick... Yeah, dictator. Um, someone also, too, if they could be competent... In actual, like, policies Mm. in government and social reform and, you know, social infrastructure and all that. If we could actually elect someone that went to school for that, Mm. that would be great. Because I think nowadays we're just electing people uh, based on a popularity contest. Like, we're electing a celebrity. We're electing this and this and that. And I'm not cough, cough saying Donald Trump here, but, like... I mean, I guess the dude was a celebrity, so, like, is still a celebrity. Like, can we stop electing people that are celebrities? Like, is it that hard? 
to... <laughs> Do you want Owen Wilson to be the next governor of Texas? Why? Because of his voice? Yeah. <laughs> He's not even a Texas resident, is I know, he? I know, I know. But, but would you want him? So he can talk like Lightning McQueen? Is it because he's a celebrity? No. 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 Like, we need to start as, as appealing as he the... He wants to make Texas all right, all right, all right. That's Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, you're thinking of McConaughey. Ah, McConaughey. Yeah, yeah you're... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those two are very similar in my mind. Really? Yeah. Owen Wilson and Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's the, the voice they both... They both kind of have a southern voice. They're both... Kind of like mid, short blonde Mid- hair. Midwest. And I don't know. They both kind of look like they have a broken nose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we could stop. You know, like I'll I'll be honest. What's his name? And don't think I'm going for him. I didn't a thousand percent agree with Bernie Sanders' policies, mm. right? But I think for. A good amount of the stuff, he was very educated. Yeah. More competent than Hillary Clinton, who actually went to Harvard Law School and yeah. did all that. But what people fail to recognize about Hillary is that she was a crook from the beginning because she was helping Nixon out during his campaign yeah. when she was in law school. Yeah. So yeah. she's always been a crook. Hillary was always out for power, not necessarily for doing anything good. So. I think Sanders was... I'm not maybe, saying he did it the right way. To maybe either. at the time, but certainly with retrospect, he's he's just a politician. He's he's not anybody that's out there for the good of of people. Because I saw one interview with him um, after he failed to make the nomination for the Democratic candidate um, back when they were running against Trump. Um, but they also screwed him over. Yeah, yeah. The Hillary campaign screwed him over, but also he's. He's very much fallen in line with the party, the party line, and kind of given up on his uh, obstreperous side of himself to cause noise and trouble. And he's just, he's just become a yes man now. Um, yeah, and that's the problem. I think a lot of these figureheads, politicians, celebrities, whatever moguls, they have too many yes men in their corner saying, yeah. "Yes, he should run for governor. Yes, he should run for." President, city commissioner, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. You need a few people that are like, hey, actually think about this, rationalize it, and see if it makes sense. Yeah. But we don't have enough of those. So. Yeah. We need uh, a executive um- ombudsman. <laughs> a what? Ombudsman. What's that? It's a person who is essentially a fact checker. Um, somebody who researches things. Mm-hmm during uh, a meeting or something like that to make sure that there's corrections made to the next meeting. It's like, oh, in this last meeting, we said that we would do this. Well, in actuality, we can't do that because this rule over here states that we only need to do X, Y, and Z. So, yeah. Somebody who will help temper some aspects of our presidential candidates. Okay, but back to you. Hmm. What would your ideal candidate look like? Hmm, a cyborg from the future. Okay. That knows what's going to happen. That also is part of a Daft Punk cover band. Yes. No, not a cover band. He's from the future where they get back together. <sighs> yes. Yes. That's the future I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> the future where Daft Punk gets back together. 
we get a, a cyborg president from the future that, <laughs> that travels through time to come back to this pivotal point in history and say, I know what's going to happen, and I'm here to change it. I want to change the future for the better. I would vote for that cyborg president. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, in, in all seriousness. In all seriousness, though. Um, at this point, I'm just so dissatisfied with the establishment as it is in general. I... In general, as long as the candidate or candidates, depending on what office they're holding, as long as they keep their hands off of trying to like legislate the church, they can just do whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. and just cause chaos. I just I don't care anymore. Just let it burn. Anarchy. <laughs> um, there are some very compelling aspects of like traditional anarchists of. Um, what would you say? Classical anarchy. Not not just vulgar anarchy in the sense of, like, chaos in the streets kind of thing, but more self-representation and self-government. Um, a radical understanding of responsibility on the person level. Um, mm. That you're responsible for your own problems, and so. you, you should fix it kind of thing. Not necessarily individualism, but not going to big daddy government and saying, please help me. So kind of like, kind of like what they did in V for Vendetta. <laughs> uh, v for Vendetta was a little bit more terrorism than it was uh, anarchism. Um, a lot of ving- vigilante stuff. But the government in that situation was also really, really, really horrible and yeah. a lot worse than what we have right now. It was very dystopian. But I don't think it's impossible that we could eventually reach a dystopian state in the U.S. Yeah, I it's think we're already kind of going there. Something. Something where the people in the political office and the people in the big business and the people in everything else are all the same people, and it's just an oligarchy that we don't know about. It it is an oligarchy. <laughs> I've been like saying this for years. Yeah, yeah. But I, no one wants to hear it. Yeah, I'm not necessarily an Illuminati guy because I don't think they would. <laughs> I don't think it's as exciting as that. Or I think it's just a, a bunch of boring billionaires that yeah. want a better future in their own vision. Yeah. And they just throw their money around to affect whatever country's policies that they want. And it's one big poker game. Yeah. And they're gambling on people's decisions. And, people's and there's probably people in that kind of situation that are honestly trying to make the world a better place. But in doing so from a top down, they're making a lot of more problems than they actually think they are. Yeah. The, the road to destruction is paved with good intentions. And then there's also people who are just wanting chaos, just want to have fun. Well, yeah. I don't know names. I don't even pretend to know names. <laughs> even if even if I did know names, it would probably all be just boring answers. It's like, oh, Jeff Bezos, or what is his name? Um, George Soros, or... The Rothschilds. The Rothschilds. It's like, like the boring answers that everybody knows the names of. It's like, oh, of course. Well, the rich people will want to do their own thing and not want to be touched by political um, consequences. But yeah. Voting in a large part. I still believe in it in some way. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that we still have a voice to affect the outcome of our country, but I'm starting to think more and more that it's 
not necessarily our part anymore mm-hmm. to be able to change things in that way. And so. that's another thing I've been saying for years. How much of your vote does it does actually yeah. does actually count? Because well, apparently the the Gen Zers turned out record numbers to to make their voice heard. It worked for them, but I don't think we have enough people. It's because it's it's like dependent upon those super delegates votes and all that. Yeah, and well, that's for presidential elections, but smaller places yeah. are a little bit more. This representative gets this many 50, delegates. Fifty-one percent of the votes. They're okay, they're in kind of thing, and it depends on the state too. Yeah. Yeah. She's giving me a duck face. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, with that black pill, with that, uh, doomer ending, I don't know. Um, what's something positive you see about the future of the United States? Mm, the future of the United States. The future where cyberpunk, uh, daft punk comes back. <laughs> and they're, they're like half robot, half human, and they... Are these robots the kind that don't want to destroy humanity? Well, they're still half human, so they still have a little bit oh, okay. of, of humanity left okay, in them. Okay, okay. And they're they're really just down to make some funky music. They oh, okay. They don't really care about like world domination or anything like that. Oh, okay. They, then is that I, the future that you want? Yeah, yeah, I can get down with that. Funky robot cyber future. Yeah, yeah. I, I can get down with that. <laughs> um, th- I think the positive. Well, I guess the positive would be that. The young people are bringing forth some kind of change, like the Gen Zers. Change for good or change for bad? It's change in general. That pleats the fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, it's because I don't know if it's. I don't know what's good or bad at this point, in politically at least. I think that. Um, I think in the future, I think we're definitely going to have, like, we're going to have probably more young people in politics. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's a given. And that's, like, not a bad thing, per se. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, but then again, you have the issue of, like, well, they're not experienced enough in this, and they... But then you have people that are sticklers in government, and they don't want to ever change... Or Our current president is 80? <laughs> Bordering on he's 80? He's 80? I think so. I think he's like 79, 78, something oh like that. My. I think... He's been there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Biden is older than Bill Clinton. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is Jimmy Carter still alive? I don't know. And that's weird because he just keeps existing. I don't know... <laughs> I don't know if... Someone go check on Jimmy <laughs> Carter. <laughs> Mr. Carter, are you alive? Knock, 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 I'm going to Google this right now because this is actually like... Yeah. Mr. Carter, like have you built any houses he's recently? He's been alive for so many like presidencies, mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter. And he, he was the reason like Head Start started. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. Wow. The dude is 98. Yeah. Dang. 98. Is his wife still alive? Yeah, she's still alive. Wow. They're still kicking. 
Yeah, they're still kicking. Let's be all the peanuts. Oh my god. That's George Washington Carver. No, oh, I thought Jimmy Carter had a peanut farm too. Oh. Another I'm, fun I may be wrong. Maybe another fun fact that I didn't know yeah. that I need to know. You, you said positives? Yeah. I think we're going to probably have positive, more young people in politics. Uh-huh. Uh, a negative, I think. We're going to have more young people in politics. <laughs> exactly. That is also a negative. Because we could have a lot of young, either young educated people mm-hmm. or young ignorant people that think they're educated. Mm-hmm. My other thing is, like, this is going to sound very ageist of me, <gasps> but why don't we place a limit on who, how old you have to be to be president? Like, it starts at 35, right? I think so, yeah. And you have to be a U.S. citizen. Why don't we cap it at, like, not 80 years old? <laughs> <laughs> like... I think there's an... I'm sorry, this is, again, this is going to sound very ageist of me. There's got to be a time where, like... Yeah, you got to like, take grandma's keys away at some point. Yeah. 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 So maybe, maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you need to go and get your cataracts checked. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there's definitely... And then I think there should also be a limit for how many times you can run for governor. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Because for president, it's what? Eight times, I think? No, it's eight consecutive years, I think. It's Because uh, Obama, Obama did that, right? Two four-year terms, yeah. 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 So, I think, yeah, we need to place limit on that. And yeah. I don't know. There's probably a reason for why there's no term limits on governors, but term limits, in a sense, would only be a stopgap from preventing the same person from coming in, but it wouldn't be preventative of like-minded people from coming in. Mm. So you could change out the face, but the people behind the face would still be the same. Yeah. Yeah. You would have to have term limits from top to bottom and, like, secretary positions all the way up to the actual representative. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible. Okay, now the same question that you asked me. Oh, man, you're going to have... You want me to make a an optimistic statement? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm only pessimism here. Uh, except for when it has to do with uh, the cyberpunk future of Daft Punk returning. Yeah. Um, a positive for the United States. I think it is going to be in general, I think we are so powerful and in a position of ease that I don't think we're going to actually have to feel the full weight of any kind of world collapse or anything like that. Um, So in a positive sense for us, we're probably not going to suffer too much. Yeah. But it's not really all that much of a positive. (laughs) Um, What's something that would actually be a positive? It's it's going to be fun. <laughs> as long as you have the ability to laugh at it, we're going to have a fun fun next few years. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> as long as we step back, look at it as like, this is something I can't actually control, and get our popcorn, 
Oh my gosh. It's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. So we could have a Trump twenty twenty four and somebody else who I have no idea is probably not gonna be Joe Biden. It might be Joe Biden. And we're just gonna have a bunch of a couple of really old dudes going Arr! Take away grandpa's keys now. Yeah. Yeah. Old old Biden. It's me, Crispy Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Crispy Trump. His toupee was almost about to fly off at his daughter's wedding Mm. the other day. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think they put enough glue on there. Yeah. So, Mr. Trump, if you're listening to this, you need to get a better hair and makeup team. Or to shave it. Just go bald. I don't think he wants to do Just that. Just have tattooed Trump across his forehead. With <laughs> Mar-a-Lago just drawn yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah. Put the White House on one, one side and then Mar-a-Lago on the other side. And then just Trump across the forehead. Be bald. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in line with his branding. Just have his big old name and gold lettering. And two chains hanging two chains. Up. Yes, the rapper with two chains hanging off of him. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Tupac and two chains around his neck. Uh, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, the positive, it's going to be fun. And there's going to be a lot more young people who are going to be involved. And that could be good. We're definitely going to have a lot of young people who are much more strongly opinionated on politics yeah. than we are going to have previous generations of young people. Because yeah. previous generations were very apathetic. I think I come from a generation that's very apathetic towards yeah. politics. But this generation is going to be going to be a lot more involved. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be fun. Hang on to your seatbelts, kids. Yeah. And grandpas. And with that... Let's go yell at some clouds. Some clouds? Yeah. yeah. Old man yells at the clouds. You clouds? Clouds! Why are you so puffy? You look fat today. You need to lose some weight. Get some of that rain out of you. Yeah. Now eat a sandwich. Eat You're too a, thin. a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I think that wraps things up pretty well. Okay. Well, with that... Thank you for listening to this week's podcast episode. As always, mental health resources will be in the description below. Go check out the podcast. Mm-hmm. That'll also be linked below. Shout out to Justin and Tevi for doing their podcast. Um, any closing thoughts that you would like to say? Hmm. Hinges on doors. Okay. So don't be unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it with that. Bye.